Welcome, welcome. I'm your host, Jesse Rowe, here with you with Recovering Mentally. I hope you all are ready for our next episode. Super excited that you are here. Remember, Recovering Mentally is designed for so many purposes, including erasing the stigma of mental illness, creating suicide awareness and prevention, as well as helping those that are recovering or finding their road to recovery from addiction. As you know, your host has been there, done that, has the medical records to prove it. So this is your safe space. You're not alone. And let's get started. Hey, you guys. One of our promo partners is Work On Purpose With Purpose. It is now on Facebook as On Purpose With Purpose, but you can find them at www.workonpurposewithpurpose.com. I am so excited. You've listened to Becky and Susie on the podcast. Now come join me and them in a place to take action where grace is allowed and self-care is encouraged. Welcome back to Recovering Mentally. You guys, I've been talking about this guest forever, and I'm so excited he's finally here. It is the amazing George Bryant. George is here with us today to talk about, he is all about the relationships over algorithms. And what I love about George is in this pandemic, he has constantly been in his people's world and in our face, getting us back out there to solidify relationships. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of getting messages of sales. Let's talk about the relationships. So George, thank you. I'm so excited. I'm excited to be here. Hopefully I can live up to the introduction. Oh, of course you can. (laughs) I'm sure, as we know, the pandemic has caused a lot of people to isolate. Mm -hmm. And relationships, some of them have gone to the wayside because of it. Not everybody's Zoom friendly like the rest of us. How do you motivate your audience to get back out there and to show up? Yeah, it's such a good question. Like, you know what I feel like the with the pandemic, what happened is it kind of ripped the bandaid off. That's really what it did. It gave everybody an accurate perspective of the world where we laid in our relationships, where we were trusting convenience or seeing people in person, like where we were hoarding potential relationships instead of actually building and leveraging the ones that we had. And so the thing that I tell everybody is the pandemic was a gift for me, for everybody else. I mean, I lost millions of dollars, no joke. I lost two companies in the middle of it. I lost a couple hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue. I mean, I went through the ringer and it was single-handedly one of the best gifts of my life because it forced me to be in a relationship with the one person I avoided, which was myself. I lost all the comfort zones. I lost the distractions. I lost the whole go fill my tank at this, whether I'm an introvert and an extrovert. And what I was left with was this very clear picture of like, wow, if it's up to be, it's up to me. If, mm-hmm. if something's going to get done, it's going to be right now. And this is a massive opportunity. And I feel like it was a reset button. I feel like we got used to being able to just do a Facebook post and do a sale and run an ad and have it work. And we've slowly diminished the art form of relating to other human beings. And so now what we're forced with is this massive, massive kind of reality check of like, hey, if you want to play, like if you want to live, you got to literally work on the relationship with yourself. And then you have to go initiate and nurture and water and plant these other relationships in the world. And so the people that have and the people that do, they're literally doubling, tripling, quadrupling their life, their business, their happiness, their friendships, because it's this very level playing field right now. And so I just think it's riddled with opportunity. And so the thing that I ask people, it's like, I don't want to yell at people. I don't want to ask you anything, but I struggle a lot when people come to me like, George, I want to help people. I'm like, then why the hell are you hiding? 
Don't right. tell me one thing and do something different. I'd rather you be honest with me and say, George, I'm scared to help people. I'm like, great, because that's a solid start. Then we get to spend time being in a relationship with you. Go spend six hours in silence and start asking yourself, like, why am I afraid? What do I want? Express it out. Get it in and going. But no matter what, the way that I see it is you're either living or you're dying. And I, quite frankly, am too chicken shit to take my own life after I've tried already. So I have one choice and it's live because I'm either living or I'm slowly dying. And so I look at it as opportunity. And so for everybody here, the world right now is the best barometer that you will ever see. It's giving you an accurate reading. You're checking the pressure and you got to ask yourself, like, where do I want to play in this game? Mm-hmm. And I think the inverse of this, because you said this in the intro, a lot of people were like, I'm not a Zoom person. I'm not a boom. I said, I don't think a lot of people were. A lot of people were used to the distraction of being able to go to events or used to being this convenience or used to having all these really surfacey touch points. And no matter which way it went, this thing is a massive can of worms opening to our self-awareness, our self-integrity, our past, our shadows, our ego, our skeletons. And we're just met with this beautiful opportunity of like, wow, these are the ingredients I have. What am I going to do with them? And so for me, I did the opposite of what I wanted to do. I've always been about relationships. I trademarked relationships, beat algorithms. It's the secret to business working. Except when I stopped making money for a while and it was a good six month period and I was like, oh, this is easy. I can go make money. I can go make six figures, seven figures. That was comfortable for me. That was easy. And I was like, what's hard? And I was like consistently showing up for free. So I launched my podcast. Ah, And I was like, cool. So most people don't know that that podcast came out of me losing a million dollars. And I did the exact opposite thing that I wanted to do. Like I wanted to like go sell consulting, make a new offer, make a new course, boom, boom, boom. And it, it didn't feel right. It felt like something was missing for me. And I was like, no, 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 no. I need consistency and congruency unattached to the outcome. I'm launching a podcast. Mm -hmm. And Here's what's funny. I didn't have to buy anything. I went into my closet because I've had the gear for eight years because that's how long I've wanted to do it. And I literally took out the gear from eight years ago and I was like, I'm not looking at downloads. I don't care how many people listen to this. I don't care how many people review it. I don't care how many people subscribe to it. I just want to consistently serve people's faces off. And so that's kind of my overview in the pandemic. I love it because, you know, I have, oh, I have said through this entire pandemic, One, I've been able to come up and show up more as myself. And two, I've been able to foster some relationships that I didn't even realize were going to the wayside Mm -hmm. in the world pre-pandemic. And that includes my own children. We have gotten closer and have this bond now that we did not have before. And it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I know there are some people that in the pandemic who already had depression and I'm like you, I've made an attempt and I'm too afraid to die now. So it was, it was not sink or swim. It was get out there and freaking swim, Jesse. But I will tell you there's people who naturally isolate and then there's people who don't and isolating is bad for everybody. Whether you have a mental health issue or not, it's bad for everybody. Yeah. How do you recommend like somebody just, putting themselves out there. Like if they tell you, like, if I say, George, I'm afraid to put myself out there. What do you say to them? Yeah. So first I probably don't say what you think I say. Cause the first thing I say is check in with yourself and ask why you want to. Mm -hmm. And there's really two reasons why you want to one 
is normally distraction and validation and one is service. And the best way I can give this is a quote that one of my teachers told me a long time ago. And he said, you can never write a book that you're in the middle of. And it landed for me dramatically. And I realized that through the work, a lot of the work that we do as leaders, people would pass it. And just so everybody knows, like I am a proponent for traditional therapy, for plant medicine, for meditation, for breath, for everything. I mean, I've spent probably 11 years of my life now since getting out of the military, getting to where I am today through those modalities. But there's one thing, one thing, like one golden thread underneath all of them, and it's community. And it's Mm. a supportive community that holds me at my potential and not at my story. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody comes to me like, George, I'm scared, I'm boom. I always ask and I always go for why, like what's underneath it, right? Because there's a way to be scared as a manipulation tool, right? Mm -hmm. Telling somebody you're scared protects your real feelings, right? Mm -hmm. And I use this for years. Like I was a survivor, right? I I exhibited narcissistic tendencies by always gaslighting people and making about them because I had this wounded little boy that was petrified of getting hurt. And so I'd go serve people. I'd be a blogger. I was successful. This is while I was a New York times bestseller touring the world. And I was still bulimic and nobody knew. And I was still struggling with sexual abuse and nobody knew. And I was still emotionally abusing my family because I wasn't doing the real work. I was talking about the work. And so there's a difference between wanting to use the story because you're through the other side and it can give somebody else permission slip and then using the story to hide from feeling the effects of that story and going all the way through it. And so when people come to me, they're like, I want to use my story. I want to do this. I'm like, great. I start to ask questions. I'm like, what's underneath it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, if you can clearly articulate that story when you're on the other side and you can get to the principles without the details and the takeaways without the emotion, mm-hmm. you've written a conclusion and that story's a tool. Anything besides that point, you have to honor your journey. And I'm like, don't tell everybody you're through it. Tell everybody you're in it. Like, hey guys, like I'm in this. And you'll you'll hear me say this on my podcast. I'm like, I'm still going through this. I'm doing this with you. I, I, I. And then there's other things where I'm on the other side and I've been through and I've been through Codependence Anonymous and SLAA and 12-step programs. And I can talk about it like when I was there Mm -hmm. because I'm through. And I said, so I think it's honoring that kind of internal alignment, right? That my head, heart, and belly is completely clear. And I know now when I go out and share and I'm like, yeah, like I was petrified. It's coming from a place of I'm through it. I'm ready to go. Or it's, I am still petrified and I don't have the answers. And so I try to be as integrous with myself and that internal check as possible because Mm -hmm. it's a very slippery slope when you're in the middle of a story and you utilize that story as a tool. And then the world starts validating you for telling mm-hmm. that story, it starts to turn you into a storyteller. It starts to turn you into a manipulator and not by choice. It's just by feedback in the container. And so the best thing for me is to really, really give time. And so I have, I have a 24 hour cooling off period. Cause I get heated sometimes, right? Like sometimes the world bothers me. Sometimes I see people marketing the messages. Sometimes I get crazy ideas and like what I want to share about this intuition and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, If it's hitting me in the moment, it's a reaction. And so what I do is I literally open my calendar and I put it in for 24 hours in the future. And I'm like, 24 hours, if I still think that way, feel that way, believe that, then I can do something with it. But what I'm allowing myself is the marination process, right? Like when you take raw ingredients to make a brownie, you can't get mad that you stick the brownie in a cold oven and you don't get a brownie a minute (laughs) later. You have to give it time to cook. And so for me, 
that's kind of how I see it. So to summarize that, cause that was a very long winded answer. When someone's like, I want to share my story. I want to put myself out there. You got to find the motivator underneath it, like where it's coming from and what you'll normally do. If you institute a pause period, you'll realize that it was an emotional reaction or it was a tilt, or you'll realize it wasn't, it was something that you really wanted to share, but the secret, and I'm going to tell this to everybody when it comes to entrepreneurs, human beings, mental health, the biggest secrets for me after doing this for years and healing and plant medicines and silence and blah, and I mean, just so everybody knows, like three years of EMDR, cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive processing therapy, prolonged exposure, single therapy, group therapy, 12 steps, ayahuasca, psilocybin, MDMA assisted psychotherapy, ketamine, breath work, silent retreats. I've done all of it. And the common thread onto all of it is community, boredom, and silence. Yeah. Community, boredom, and silence. It is seriously like I'm like, God, couldn't somebody have told me that like 15 years ago? Right? But I wouldn't, have had, I wouldn't have had the experience. And so it's this self-honoring thing. And so I, I hope that answers your question. It really does. And okay, so I will tell you, there are things I've come out the other side on that I've shared because I want people to know they're not alone. That's yes. exactly what this podcast and this environment is about. However... My people know that right now I'm in the midst of a journey Mm -hmm. and that journey is bulimia. Mm -hmm. And I've been very open that guys, I'm scared to go to the fucking treatment program. I'm terrified because I've abused it as a coping skill to, to stuff feelings Mm -hmm. and to not have to be real. And so what you said totally resonates with me, not just because it's similar disorder, but because I'm not writing a book about bulimia because I'm in the journey. I wrote a book about sobriety because I'm still in that journey, but I came out the other side. It's been over three years, but I can't speak to this because I am in the midst of it. And that is okay. Yeah. And you have to honor that. Like you have to honor yourself. Like I've been through the journey you're on and Mm -hmm. I did it alone, which I don't recommend anybody to. (laughs) No. (laughs) And that came with its own challenges. But what was nuts is that one of the biggest distinction points for me, like one of the inflection points in my recovery was when I stopped talking about it. And I actually just started being in the journey because I was a food blogger teaching people how to eat paleo and eat healthy while I was secretly binging and purging as a way to self-harm because I was no longer an addict. I was like, okay, here we go. Right. Pick one excessive working out, eating, purging, lack of sleep. There was always this excess. And the moment that I stopped telling the world what to do, and I just started living and honoring my journey It was the biggest pivot point in that journey. It allowed me to be seen. It allowed me to be me. It allowed me to be accepted by those that are around me. And it gave me the space that I needed to develop that relationship with myself. And And I think it's important for people to know that it's okay to be vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. And here, and here's the thing. And, And here's the fear. I know the fear. I remember the fear. If I'm vulnerable, people will leave me, right? A lot of us that struggle with mental health issues, eating disorders, orthorexia, obsessive disorders, we all have a very similar core wound that is if we are who we authentically are, people will leave us. And then that is our ultimate fear of being abandoned, being alone, and having to be in that relationship with ourselves. Well, here's the secret. When you're vulnerable, if they leave, they shouldn't have fucking been there in the first place. Amen. 
The Amen. End. Like you're welcome. That is the yes. universe rewarding you and creating a container for <laughs> your healing and for your recovery. Yep. And we cannot expect other people to change. Like if it's up to me, it's up to me. It's our world. It's our stuff. And what you're going to be doing is pressure testing the waters. You're going to have days that are great. You're going to have days that aren't. But when you have the right community and you are consistent, because just a newsflash, the human experience has never been rainbows and unicorns 24-7. It's I'm sad. I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm angry. I'm nervous. I'm boom. And that range of emotions is what creates the experience. Well, recovery is no different. There's going to be easy days and hard days. There's going to be high performing days, low performing days, positive mindset days, low mindset days. There's going to be rain. There's going to be sun. And it's all going to coexist. And the most important thing is that you have a relationship with yourself that is free of fault, blame, guilt, and shame. Which means, in my opinion, if you're listening to this, if you get out of bed, if you make a choice to be aware that the way that you've been living your life is not working and you are just aware of it, you are already winning and honoring yourself. Don't make the journey. Don't make the time. Don't make the baking period, the marination period wrong. Remain consistent from a place of I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. And if there's a movie I would recommend, it's What About Bob? It's just Oh, my God. Step, we talked baby about step, this. Baby yes. step. And here's the thing. And and this happened. And I can say this because I'm on the other side. I never understood why. I never understood why I couldn't just, hey, I'm bulimic. I went to an appointment. Why can't I just be better now? I said I'm better. Why can't I feel better? I'm like, oh, because I want to unravel 37 years of programming in one appointment. Are you kidding me? Exactly what I've been thinking. Like, why do I have to go four days a week for four hours for 10 weeks? No. Yeah. Yeah. And I even tell my trainer all the time, right? Like I'm no food. Like I'm happy. I love myself no matter what I look like now. Like I am good. Like I'm going to gorge on dinner tonight for my nanny's birthday and I picked the restaurant so I can overeat. Like, and I love every part of it. But I looked at him one day. I'm like, Hey man, why, why does it feel like I can gain 10 pounds in a week and not lose 10 pounds in a week? He's like, it's just a lot easier to do what's comfortable. Right. He's like, the time is no different. He's like, it's the way that you see it. And, and I started to challenge that too, because Jessica, one of the biggest things for me is that I learned after being in the military, the difference of these stimuluses, right? Like when you think about, I ask people all the time, I'm like, Hey, do you love roller coasters? They're like, yeah. I'm like, you remember that feeling? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I was like, have you ever almost gotten a car accident? They're like, yeah. I'm like, you remember that feeling? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, notice it's the same. Mm-hmm. The only Mm -hmm. difference is how we see it. And it's the same thing with like hot or cold. Normally people like, I'm like, take a cold shower. They're like, no, 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 I need it hot. I need it hot. I need it hot. I'm like, cool. Well, if we're comfortable, if we're comfortable at 70 degrees, 75 degrees ambient temperature and your shower is 110 and my ice bath is 40, it's less of a departure to be cold than it is to be hot. And it's an extreme, except we have a relationship with the extreme heat that we've programmed ourselves to think is comfortable. And so as I started practicing cold therapy and breath work and looking at these things, all of a sudden it changed the way I related to myself. It changed the way that I related to my inputs. Right. And I was like, cool. I got five minutes in me of walking today. I'm going to walk for five minutes. I'm going to celebrate the shit out of it. And that's what I got today. And tomorrow I might have an hour and a half and tomorrow I might have 21 minutes. And the most important thing that we can do is look at ourselves in the mirror through this lens of empathy, no fault, no blame, no guilt, no shame, and realize that every moment, and I'm going to say this to everybody listening to this, every single moment that you choose to get out of bed, even if it's for 10 seconds, Mm -hmm. you celebrate the pee, 
You celebrate the pajamas. You celebrate getting up, getting the cup of coffee and getting back into bed because you're actually getting up. And mm-hmm. the faster we give ourselves the perspective of what we're actually doing and how we're progressing, the more momentum builds in our favor. The Amen. Momentum builds in our favor because I remember being in that person and I'm like, I literally would get up and I would eat and I would move for the day, but then I'd be on the couch and all I would say is I'm such a failure. I'm so depressed. I did nothing. But if I ask the outside world what I did comparatively to dying or not living, they're like, no, you, you pretty much functioned and look what you did. And the moment I saw that, it was progress and momentum and progress and momentum. And that's the game that we all have to play. And so when I say to people about relationships beating algorithms, the context of how I say it came in marketing. When I said nobody has a marketing problem, everybody has a relationship problem. Mm-hmm. But the zinger is with themselves, their team, and their customers informed in that order. And at the end of the day, in the world that we live in, and especially during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. we have been programmed and, and conditioned in this world that we spend all of our time being in relationship with every single thing or person except ourselves. And that's where we all have to spend our time. Solitude, boredom, self-love, self-care, meditation, breath work, stillness. Like we have to flex that muscle more than anything else because you can only honestly relate to other people in business, marketing, kids, our relationships, our parents, our anything when you can authentically relate to yourself. And that's Mm. kind of my thought. It's so true. Through the entire pandemic, I had to tell my kids because I have twins Mm-hmm. Give each other some grace and some space. And I now use that for myself when I need that self-care time. Guys, I, I need some grace and some space for a minute. And mm-hmm. it works. I mean, because I'm teaching them to do it to self-care. And it's something that they understand. The other thing I love that you said was you wait 24 hours. Because mm-hmm. my therapist, God love him, AJ. My audience hears me talk about AJ all the time. He has the best one-liner that he always tells me. First thought wrong. So he makes me sit on it and sit in those emotions. Mm-hmm. And it, then he's like, okay, what's your second thought? And he's like, there you go. And yep. it, so first thought wrong. Yep. Sit on it for 24 hours. I mean, I used to do that with emails if I was really pissed off about something. I would type it all out and then just put it in my draft and come back to it the next day and be like, oh yeah, I can delete all this and just write, thank you. Have a great day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's amazing. And everything you've said here resonates so much with me and I know will resonate so much with the audience. I can't thank you enough. Of course. I want to, I want to pull one more thread on this because I think it's really important because a lot of what I went through, through my bulimia, my, my, so first my eating disorder stemmed from being sexually abused. And so that was my compensatory method to self-harm. And I had a very unhealthy relationship with the feminine. I was abused by women, not men. And so it was a very interesting dynamic as a, having an abandoned mother who was a drug addict and then being sexually abused by women. And then my body dysmorphia and self-love and toxic cycles and boom, boom, boom. And when I really, really, really got down to the root of it, a lot of my struggle came from what's the point? What's the purpose? 
who am I, blah, blah, blah. I'm not even here. I'm not taking up space because I had this very unhealthy expectation of what human life was supposed to be, what human experience is supposed to be. And I've been through the ringer, three combat tours. I've witnessed death. I've been close to death two times. And, and, and it's a big perspective shift. And one of the biggest things hit me like two years ago, two, three years ago, when I was like, I get it. I get it. And I was like, you know what I get? I get why I'm here. My job isn't to control an outcome. My job is to be aware and then make a choice. Because whether you study quantum mechanics, quantum physics, many worlds, theories, anything, God, religion, you pick it, you name it. In my opinion, the ultimate pursuit of a human is just a state of awareness. And a state of awareness is being a witness without making a decision or having a reaction. And so you'll hear me talk about containers and pauses and not allowing yourself to react and be proactive. But the more that we can practice it everywhere in our life, the healthier we get to be. And I literally am in pursuit of looking at my life like it's ready player one. Like there are times in my day where I am so present. I literally feel like I'm outside of my body watching myself be in that moment. And these pauses are what develop that because what we really are doing is we're, we're reprogramming our supercomputer. We're reprogramming our subconscious reactions and belief patterns that came from trauma and trauma bonding. And we are saying like, Hey, I feel you trauma. Mm -hmm. I feel you trigger pause. Mm -hmm. I see that you're there and I feel you pulling me in that direction. But in this moment, because I'm aware, I get to choose how I act. I get to be proactive in my decision. And in my opinion, the ultimate recovery is awareness because we're never going to be able to control the triggers that come in. I can't control death, maim, theft, business working, not working. I can't control any of those things. The mm -hmm. only thing I can control is my level of awareness when they come in and then what I do with it. And so the more that you practice, first thought wrong, pause, wait, what you're really doing is you're training yourself to be the ultimate director of your own life. And I cannot stress enough whether it's a psychology modality, a meditation modality, a breathwork modality, a plant medicine modality, none of them give you the answers. They give you the awareness to choose. And we can practice it everywhere in our life. And I mean, we can practice it thousands of times a day. And the more you practice it, the stronger the muscle comes, and then you get to utilize how you use it. I love this. And I'm just going to share because you brought it out in me. In my rut of going, oh my God, 10 weeks, 10 weeks, 10 weeks and cooking your own food and them locking the bathroom doors and all this shit. I'm literally freaking out. But today I made a choice. I stepped back first thought wrong. And I'm like, I'm going to join the pool because my knees are shot and swimming is the best place for me. And I'm happy when I'm swimming. And it's so great for my body. I'm going to get my body back. I'm going to start getting healthy mind back. And I made that decision today. And I don't know what the hell took me so long, but I did. And it was, like you said, it was almost like an out-of-body experience. Like, wow, I just did something for myself that's positive and not the trigger because the trigger was there. Instead, I was like, let's oh, see sure. what pool is open. And it was amazing. <laughs> and I want to I want to say something, too. You never lost your body. Honor everywhere that you are. Everybody. Listen, mm -hmm. you didn't lose it. Your knees aren't shot. Like, you're still here. 
Yeah. Your race car is still there. It's working. It's running. It might need a little bit of TLC and you're like, oh, I can get faster. I can shave some lap times on. But one of the, one of the things that kept me stuck the longest was making my current state wrong instead of loving my current state and coming from there. And so mm -hmm. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I'm hard, like I'm maybe 210 pounds now. My fighting weight's like 175 when I feel my best. And for the last year and a half, it's been a yo-yo. I love myself. I'm like, ah, oh, the scale doesn't move. It's not moving. And I was like, what am I looking at? I'm like, I'm strong. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I have energy. I'm sleeping good. And then all of a sudden, gone, 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 gone. And any moment that we find ourselves dishonoring our current state is always going to be a piece of resistance in our healing. And so we just have to honor it all the time because for whatever reason, whether you study epigenetics, whether you study consciousness, subconsciousness, or whatever, the vehicle that you're in, in your body, for whatever reason has created itself in this manner to honor and support you where you were in your journey. And now it's going to take you to the next level. And that's the most important piece. It's this radical self-love, self-acceptance and self-honesty of like, this is it. Like, this is what you get. Yes. This is me, whether you like it or not. And I love all of it and cool. Let's go create something together. And I look at my body like it's my teammate. Like I literally look at it like it's my teammate. And it's a really beautiful place to be because I know and I've been there. And what inspires me the most now is looking back. Obviously, I'm like, oh my God, it was so easy. But it was like, but it really wasn't. I needed to feel. I needed to have that perspective. I needed to see that distinction. I needed to catch those triggers. I needed to know my resistance because... Once I was aware of it, it never happened again. And it gave me unlimited tools to be able to lean into and practice. And the most important thing, and I'm going to say this again to close the loop from the beginning, the most important thing is to always be consistent with community and practice stillness and boredom because whether anybody wants to believe it or not, 99.9% .9 of society is in active healing, whether they accept it or not. Because we, as a human being, are born into trauma, mm -hmm. however you choose to see it, childhood, everything else. And we spend our life coming into a healthy relationship with that to then utilize it as a tool to better the next generation, whatever we choose to do. And so practice, 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 practice. It will make mm -hmm. a difference. Your beingness and your practice is the testament that shifts other people. And I remember, Jessica, I remember those thoughts, like those thought toilets. I had one yesterday. Actually, it was kind of nuts. I was sitting in my office. It was like four hours. I mean, it was just like, I've caught myself actually in my chair for four hours. I used a standing desk and I was like, it was like a time warp. And I was like, and it was a cesspool, money, business, my team's losing. This happened. I, and like full disclosure, I lost a lawsuit last week. I'm having to move my CEO because of something crazy that happened personally. I have a lawyer involved in a custody battle. I have uh, some other men's work. I lost this. This didn't go. That happened. I lost revenue. And I was like, Whoo. Uh -huh. and then my COO looked at me. And he's like, are you going to get mad at the universe for giving it what you said you could do? And I was like, oh, <laughs> he's like, what you think? He's like, what you think you can be a lighthouse and choose when the storms come? He's like, what you want to turn down the hurricane too? He's like, oh, is it raining too much for you? And I was like, oh, you ass. I love you. Huh? Got it. And, and what it, what it really was is that I just allowed myself to get unpresent. I was sitting in my chair, but I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I was out racing anything. I wasn't checking in or honoring. And I'm like, yeah, that's resistance. That's pressure. That's there. I'm like, that's also opportunity.
Mm-hmm. I was like, that's information. That's telling me what's happening in the world and how I have this capacity to hold it. And so I always practice leaning into myself of like, hey, can I sit still? Can I be bored? And do I have people around me that can honor me and see me? Because the more that I can feel all of those emotions, the more that I can experience what is it that's coming up, it's coming out. And a shaman said that to me and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget like one of my first experiences in the jungle, I was afraid to purge and purging is yawning, crying, laughing, puking, peeing, like any expellent. And he's like, he looked me dead in the eye. He's like, what are you trying to keep demons? And he looked me dead in the eye and he's like, if it's coming up, it's coming out. And I was like, whoa. Wow. And I was like, the amount of times I wanted to cry and I didn't. The amount of times I was angry and I wouldn't yell at the pillow. The amount of times that I needed to move and I didn't. All I was doing was suppressing my truth and then getting upset that I didn't get a result on the other side. But yet, the moment it comes up and I cry, normally it's unicorn and rainbows on the other side. And it's like a 10-second cry or a 20-second emotion. And it's my car literally saying, hey, I just got to get this out so I can run better. I just got to get this out so I can run better. And so like, you got to get it out. And so that's why I say the stillness the boredom is you got to sit with it because if you're sitting with it and something feels off, explore it, find it, ask yourself like, God, what's that pit in my stomach? Like, why am I so anxious? And like, sit with it. Watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I'll, I'll sit here and I'll have uncontrollable laughing fits. And my team was like, dude, you like Joe. I'm like, dude, I just laughed in my chair for like 20 minutes. I have no idea where it came from. No idea. <laughs> and I do everything by humor. So people, when they call me are used to me answering the phone laughing because that's what I do. That's my happy place. That's my therapy is laughing. Mm -hmm. And like you, I used to be afraid to cry and I'm just starting. I used to cry at everything. Like a Kodak commercial would make this girl cry. And then I got sober and it was like, I had to protect. I had to protect that sobriety because God forbid I feel God forbid I do that. And now being over three years sober, I'm starting to cry and it's kind of freaking me out. I'm I, like, I, I, the other day I bust out into tears, happy tears, but I started crying. I'm like, what the hell if I, oh no, it's okay. I like stopped myself. Like, this is actually really cool. It feels good to feel. And an hour later I was like, well, I haven't cried in so long. I really needed that. I needed that moment. Yeah. It's so therapeutic. And if you give yourself permission to sit in that space, it's huge. It's huge. It's Mm -hmm. a gift. And I have one thought before we wrap, because I know we're getting close on time, but I think this is a really important one, especially given the nature of this conversation. Mm -hmm. One of my biggest struggles of recovery is that I would tell people I can't feel. You remember that one? I can't feel. Those were my exact words. Ready? Mm -hmm. I had a therapist blow my mind. They looked me dead in the eye and they said, numb is a feeling. Oh, I didn't know. And that. I was like, come again. <laughs> and they're like, not feeling is the absence of feeling. Numb is a feeling. Disconnected is a feeling. And so I had made a feeling of numbness, a justification to prevent myself from feeling other feelings. Oh, fuck. You just dropped a bomb on me. I would suppress. 
and I would n- numb and then I would numb. go to therapy. I'm like, I don't feel like I'm just numb. I'm just numb. And then this one woman looked me dead in the eye and she's like, well, I need you to stop lying to me because numb is a feeling. And it was like an atomic bomb got dropped on my paradigm. And I was like, what? And then I started looking at it and I could no longer see it as not feeling. And then the moment I saw that, that day, I was like, wow, I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling, but I like programmed my brain that mm-hmm. everything was quote unquote numb, which was me trying to stay stuck in that feeling. But yeah. it was one of the biggest breakthroughs in my entire life was when I started to understand that numb was a feeling. You just dropped a huge fucking bomb on me. And I'm going to end up writing that in my journal just to remind no, myself, to. just to remind myself, because every so often we go a little, we go a little silly and we got to write it down. George, here's how the thing. Can... There's, there's one time, hold on. There's only one time you won't feel and that's when you're dead and you won't even realize it anymore. So I just want everybody to know, like, that is a very mm-hmm. important distinction to have. Yes. Because you want to tell me you don't feel you're numb, pinch yourself, poke yourself with a needle. You feel right. Yeah. It's a choice. And so it the more is. that we can have integrity with ourselves, mm-hmm. especially those little demons in that paradigm and the more that we can see them the more we disempower them and empower our conscious to take over. And so a lot of these are tools and everything else, but I just highly recommend that you spend that time exploring what it is that you are. What you it is are that you feel, so have community. Amazing. Go for it. How do people find you? I know how to find you, but how oh. do these people find you? <laughs> yeah. Cause they're going to want more joy. If you like, I'm like, if you like my level of crazy, if you want my level of crazy, I make it really easy. I name my website Mind of George because it belongs in a straitjacket. So mindofgeorge.com. My podcast is there. It links to our Facebook group. Jessica will tell you if you add me on Facebook and shoot me a message, I will send you a response. Like I am here. I'm here to support any way that I can. doesn't matter if I'm responding to 800 a day, I will get every one of them back to you. But yeah, Mind of George, my podcast is an amazing place because I intermix mindset with business and Mm -hmm. marketing and everything else. And so mindofgeorge.com. George, thank you so much. And you guys, again, mindofgeorge.com. I'm going to invite George to Recovering Mentally's page. So you can see the podcast in there. George, thank you. Like you just thank made you my day. Me. This is a top five day right now. In my oh, it's podcast a day for world. me too. This is an absolute, this is a gift for me. I just, everybody for you and for everybody listening, I just want you to know, this is a gift for me, allowing me to share my truth and having it be heard and witnessed by giving me the one asset I can't give back to you, which is time. So trust me, the feeling is mutual. Oh, thank you. You guys, again, recoveringmentally.com, mindofgeorge.com, and we will talk to you next week. Hey, you guys, it's Jesse with Recovering Mentally. I am so excited to tell you about Healing Dragon CBD oil. I have used it for mania, anxiety, joint pain, you name it. It is just a great great way to calm down. CBD oil is a natural way to assist you. I am not a doctor. Please make sure to call your doctor before using it. However, my boys at Healing Dragon CBD oil are wanting you to get in on it. And only for the listeners of Recovering Mentally, we got ourselves a promo code with a discount. Go to www.healing.com dragon.com and type in recovering mentally for your promo code yay thank you so much healing dragon you saved me 
and you are going to touch so many others through this podcast. So www.healingdragon.com promo code recovering mentally. I want to thank you guys for joining us again for an episode of Recovering Mentally. As always, it is wonderful to save the space for you of trust, compassion, and authenticity. If you're looking to connect with me or any other members that you've heard on this podcast, please feel free to go to Facebook Recovering Mentally. And as Baby Yoda would say, this is the way. Have a great day. And until next time, hang in there. You are not alone.